You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome in to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from very rainy but still very beautiful Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes out to listen to this episode of the podcast. This is episode 148. And I'm going to be dialoguing about a topic that has been relatively controversial within evangelical circles over the last 30 or 40 years. I'm going to be talking about the seeker-sensitive movement. What is it and why is that important to those of us who are Christians? And so I'm excited to dive into this. Before we do, let me take care of a few bits of business. Number one, if you're willing to do this, would you be willing to head on over and leave a review? If you've not done that, I know we've got a bunch of reviews and many many of you have already done that. Thank you. Um, but if you're listening to this and you're someone that, uh, you know, you're willing to leave a review, if you do me a huge favor, head on over to iTunes or whatever directory, leave a five-star rating, leave a great review, tell the world you love the podcast. Those are a big, big help in terms of pushing us up the search rankings. That would be awesome. Thank you in advance for that. Uh, Also, one other quick item I want to let you know about. I have another podcast that I just recently launched called the Student Ministry Podcast. Uh, It's a podcast designed for uh, those people working in youth and young adult ministry, student ministry of any kind. So if you or someone you know is involved in a ministry that is reaching out to uh, middle school, high school, college students, I would encourage you to check it out or tell your friends about it. That would be awesome. The best way to find it is at our website. It's studentministrypodcast.com. All right, let's tackle the topic at hand. What is the seeker-sensitive movement and why does this matter? You know, should I attend the church that's seeker-sensitive or should I seek to attend the church that's not seeker-sensitive? If my church is too seeker-sensitive, should I leave and go to a different church or should I stay and try to change it? These are all the types of questions uh, that I've been asked that are related to the seeker-sensitive movement. Uh, I've been asked this by people that I know in my life and, you know, conversations or throughout pastoral ministry. Um, and I've been asked this question by emails. I've corresponded with some of you, you know, our, our great listeners, and just kind of asking questions about how to chur- you know, select a church you can be a part of and whether or not seeker sensitivity ought to be a part of the criteria and those sorts of topics, those sort of questions kind of arise. So I think it's important to, uh, to dive in. Uh, the church that has kind of most recently made this term popular in, in recent times is a church called Willow Creek, big church in the uh, west side suburbs of Chicago. I think they've got more than 20,000 um, regular attenders now on weekend services. Uh, church started in the mid-70s. The lead pastor there is a guy named Bill Hybels, and I've read a lot of his stuff and checked out. I've actually attended Willow Creek. I've got some friends that live in the Chicagoland area, so they are familiar with, with Willow Creek and um, and this it's important to note this is not a new movement. Like this seeker-sensitive movement may have new new verbiage, new terminology. It may have taken on a different, you know, modern shape and new flavor. But overall, the idea of being sensitive to seekers and seeking the unsaved is not necessarily a new movement. Or you know, seeking after the unreligious and unchurched is not necessarily a new movement. It's just a sort of a, a new brand of it that, again, has been really popularized by, by Willow Creek and churches that really follow Willow Creek. And so it's kind of really sweeped through North American evangelicalism you know, over the last 30 or 40 years or so. So let me, let me define for you what I believe 
the word seeker-sensitive or the term seeker-sensitive means and what I even think Bill Hybels and some of the Willow Creek guys meant by it when they first launched their church. And then I'll kind of tackle some of the the broader seeker-sensitive movement elements as a whole. Uh, When I say being seeker-sensitive or that I seek to be seeker-sensitive, what I mean is, and I think we need to be sensitive of the fact that there are potentially seekers in the room. Like, just be aware, be cognizant of the fact that there are people in the room that maybe are not believers. And I think if you're aware of that and you care about that, it may influence what you do or don't do and how you say something or how you not say something. Like, I, I, I try to do that on this podcast, honestly. Like, whenever I'm talking, I always just try to be cognizant of the fact. I just, I just have it on my mind. Hey, remember, Kenny, don't forget, there may be someone listening to this that is not a Christian. So make sure that you address them or make sure you address the topics in a way that makes sense for that person. I try to do this in my regular life, actually, as well. I try to be seeker sensitive whenever I'm talking about things. Let me just give you a kind of a silly example. A few nights ago, I was at a a local restaurant uh, here in Orlando, Orlando area. It's at a restaurant called Tijuana Flats, a restaurant we frequent, me and my friends frequent quite often. And uh, I was there with two of my buddies, one of my friends who's a, who is a, a professing Christian, he's a believer, and another one of my buddies who is not a believer, uh, but he hangs out with Christians quite a bit. And so we're sitting there, and my friend who's a Christian pulls up his phone, and he pulls up this funny video that he saw uh, on Facebook. And so he pulls up this video. It was a video put together by a guy named John, uh, I think it's John Christ. And this guy, John Christ, is a, a comedian who happens to be a Christian. He makes these funny videos, and many of them have, have gone viral on social media. And so uh, so we're watching this video, but, but typically his videos, and a lot of times they're parody videos that are kind of mocking um, some element of Christian culture, you know, like North American Christianity in and of, it, in and of itself really has become this kind of this subculture within our nation. Uh, you know, a subculture within our society. And so uh, there are a lot of elements and things to our Christian subculture. And again, it's not necessarily bad, but there are things that Christians know about or, or engage with on a regular basis that non-Christians, unsafe people may not know about or may not engage with. And so oftentimes this guy, John Chris, makes these videos kind of making fun of or mocking some element of Christian subculture. And so the three of us are watching this video and we're all laughing. But me and my friend, uh, who are both Christians, we're laughing really hard. Uh, and my friend who is not a Christian, uh, he is laughing to some extent, but he's not laughing nearly as hard. Again, because the video is designed for, for Christians. like It's designed to mock Christian subculture so people who are not a part of the Christian subculture may not fully understand it. Now, this is fine for a video. Like, you know, if, if it comes to you know, watching a video on social media, it's fine that you have elements of Christian subculture, but you don't necessarily want your church service to be like that. Like, In fact, at the end of the video, the friend of, a friend of mine who's not a believer uh, actually says to us, he goes, I don't, I don't get that. Like he, I don't get that one thing he said. Like he, he actually asked about one particular element because he didn't get it. And then when we explained that, then he laughed out loud because he, okay, that makes sense. But if he hadn't been a part of the, uh, you know, the Christian subculture and he didn't have someone to ask, he would never understand the joke. So again, it's, it's fine for a, a funny video to kind of play on elements of Christian subculture, but, but you, don't want, you don't want your church services to be like that. And so when I talk about being seeker-sensitive, whether it be in my own pastoral ministry or, or, or my preaching, I always want to make sure that anything I do, that that I make sure non-Christians understand what's going on if they're in the room. And, and then again, throughout my pastoral experience, I've always tried to do this. Just explain things that are going on. Do things that make sense to everyone or if you're going to do something that doesn't make sense, make sure you explain it in a way that any person understands. And, and in this regard, I think 
churches and preachers should be seeker sensitive in this regard. Be sensitive to the fact that there may be seekers in the room, people that are seeking to learn more about God, people that are seeking to to understand Christianity better, people that are that are not believers yet, but but are but, but that God is drawing them into the process where they eventually may put their faith and hope in Christ. And so in your preaching and in your speaking, you just want to make sure that everything you do you do it in a way that you explain it to those people who may otherwise not otherwise may not make sense to them. Again, I try to do that in this podcast. I try to do it in my pastoral experience, in my preaching, and I encourage all of my friends that are pastors to do this in their church services. You just want to make sure you explain what you're doing. And so it's perfectly okay in a church service to do something that doesn't make sense to the unbeliever. That's perfectly okay. Just make sure you explain it in a way that everyone in the room is going to get it. Um, I try to be cautious with the theological terms that I use. Like, so if I'm preaching on a Sunday morning, I'm not typically going to be using terms like pedo-baptism and credo-baptism. Um, but, but what you might hear me say is things like, hey, let's talk about should we baptize infants and adults or should we only baptize adults and, and what causes us to determine that, right? And I may explain, hey, pedo-baptism is the belief that we can that we baptize adults that come to faith in Christ later in life and we baptize their children, the, the children of believers. Cradle baptism is a belief that we only baptize people who have already put their faith in Christ. So typically that's only going to be older folks, right? And so like, you know, I don't use the theological terms per se without explaining them uh, or, or making sure I use them in the way that everyone in the room is going to understand. Again, I want to be sensitive to the fact that people in the room may not understand the jargon or what's going on. So I curb what I'm saying or I alter it slightly just to make sure that it makes sense to everyone in the room. One of the reasons why I'm really passionate about this is because I didn't grow up in the faith. You know, I didn't attend church for the first time in my life until I was in middle school, and I didn't become a real disciple of Christ until I was in high school. And so I, I didn't grow up in the faith, and there's lots of things that I didn't understand. I remember, I remember showing up to church, and, and the church I attended was talking about being washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I remember getting in the minivan with a buddy of mine after church going, what the heck are they talking about? Washed with the blood of a Lamb? That seems freaking crazy. Like, I was freaked out by it, right? Because they didn't explain. I didn't make sense. And my buddy said, no, no, no. The Lamb is Jesus. It's the Lamb of God. And he explained what that meant. And he talked about the blood of Christ, how it washes our soul of sin. It wipes the record clean so that we can be declared right in, in the eyes of God. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is this is an incredible truth. This is beautiful. This is awesome. But I didn't understand it, so I was freaked out by it, right? So, like, so being seeker sensitive is explaining what you're talking about when you're doing it, right? Being, being seeker sensitive is being sensitive to the people in the room that are not be- believers, people that are not familiar with the Christian lingo, right? There may be people in the room that are seeking truth, that are seeking to potentially learn more. Like we just need to be sensitive to the fact that those people are in the room and make it easy for them to understand what's going on. And more importantly, make it easy for them to hear and understand the gospel. Now, we have to remember that no one seeks God of their own accord and their own volition, right? We read through passages like John chapter 6 and Romans 3, and we know clearly that no human being in and of themselves chases after or seeks after God. Not at all. However, 
if someone is indeed seeking to learn more about God and is pursuing a, 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 a desire to know more about God, it is because God is wooing them, right? God first woos them, pulls them in, and then begins to engage with them in a way that causes the human mind to want to seek after God and to learn more about God. It is, it is God that starts the process. It is God that cultivates the process. So if we, we encounter a person that is seeking after God, we know that they are in the process of being cultivated by God, being wooed by God. God. So we want to be sensitive to people that are in that process, and we want to be a part of the process of them coming to understand the gospel and to believe the gospel. You know, right now, I'm a part of a, a new church plant. Uh, we're planting a church in September 2016. Uh, a friend of mine is the lead pastor of this new church plant. We've talked a lot about this. We've talked about preaching, uh, the, the song part of the, part of the, the worship service, the, the liturgy. We talked about all these things. We just, we just talked about the fact that we want to be sensitive to the fact that there are people in the room that may not understand the gospel. And we want to make sure that they walk away better understanding it than when they walked in. Another element of the seeker sensitive movement that is often discussed is offense. Like, do we want to be offensive when we are communicating? I once heard a famous preacher say something that I thought was really good. He said, I'm already going to offend people with the gospel. I don't want to offend them with anything else. And I, you know, I really like that. Like the gospel in and of itself is offensive. I'm telling people that they are so wretched and so sinful and so depraved and so spiritually dirty that they can't fix themselves and that only a God who loves them can step in on their behalf. Like in and of itself, that's actually very offensive, right? I'm telling you, you can't fix yourself and you're so screwed up that, that you need someone to save you. That's offensive to the minds of a lot of people. Listen, I'm okay with proclaiming that. And if someone leaves the church because they were offended by the gospel, if someone listens to this, this podcast, and they're offended because of the gospel message that I preached. That doesn't bother me one bit. In fact, I count it a privilege and an honor to offend people with the gospel. However, I don't want to offend people with anything else. And so I, I don't feel the need to talk about a lot of other things that are ancillary or unrelated to the gospel. Now, if it's related to the gospel, if it's a gospel issue, I am glad to say it and glad to offend. It doesn't bother me one bit. But I don't necessarily want to offend. It's not my goal. Like Some guys just want to talk for the purpose of offending, and I think that's sort of silly. And Quite frankly, I think it's a little bit immature. So I want to focus on the gospel. If that offends people, that doesn't bother me. But I also want to purposely don't say things that may offend people that is not necessary, right? So I think a lot of preachers talk about things that are related to politics that are really unrelated to the gospel. You're going to offend people that are listening to you? Why do that? It's, it's a waste. Or I, I, or I know pastors that talk about just kind of philosophical things, or even they talk about sports. I mean, there's a whole range of things that a church could dialogue about that, in my opinion, could be offensive to people, but it doesn't help them hear the gospel better. So I want to be sensitive to the fact that if I say those things, people may be offended, and I don't think there's a need for that. And I want to be a part of a church where the people that are a part of the congregation are sensitive to the fact that there are people around them that they may offend unnecessarily. Now, again, if offense is necessary, I'm all for it. But if it's unnecessary, uh, maybe, maybe we can do without it. The problem, however, is that many churches get themselves in trouble is because they become so seeker-sensitive, so focused on not offending, that they're no longer willing to preach the full gospel. Like They're not going to say something because they think it might be offensive, or they end up watering down the gospel message. They end up extracting things from it because they never want to be offensive. So they don't talk about sin. They don't call out individual sins. They don't call out things that are wrong or bad within you know within our culture. They, they don't say things that are potentially going to be offensive that are gospel 
gospel issues. And they, you walk into those churches and all you hear is, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. God has a plan and a purpose. God wants you to be happy, right? And there's all different variations of that, uh, of, of sort of that seeker, that uber seeker sensitive or ultra seeker sensitive gospel. And what's been extracted from it is anything at all that has been offensive. And I think that is absolutely inappropriate. I don't think it honors God and I don't think it helps people understand the gospel better. Therefore, it doesn't help those people come closer to putting their faith and hope in Christ. It, it helps them walk out of the church and feel good about themselves, but it doesn't help them see their need for a savior. And that is essential. You know, and I try to do that in this podcast, right? I try to be winsome and kind and diplomatic, but I'm also not afraid to call something sin if I believe it's sin, right? If you're going to offend someone because you're giving them gospel truth that they need, then absolutely don't be afraid to offend them. But if you're giving someone your opinion or some ancillary bit of information that's potentially offensive and it's not going to help them, then maybe consider holding that back. Again, the problem is many churches hold back the gospel because they don't want to offend. And that, in my opinion, is absolutely wrong. The other element that I think is important uh, to consider is the reason why we even have church services in the first place. Like, church services should be the place where Christians gather together for worship and to hear the word of God preached accurately. Like That's what we gather for. That's the primary purpose of a church service. Now, there are other reasons to have a church service and other things, but the primary purpose, as I look through the New Testament, is for the, the gathering of the people of God, the gathering of the saints. Now, within the context of a church service, you may have non-Christians in the room, and you may have seekers in the room, and through the course of a church service, you may be able to reach them for Christ. That's awesome, but reaching seekers ought not be the primary purpose of your service. It can be one of your purposes. It can be one of your goals, one of your prayers, no doubt, but the, the service should not be should not be orchestrated and structured around the seeker. When I look at the New Testament, it's very clear. The orchestration and the structure that is built uh, for the gathering of the, of the saints is primarily for the worship of God and the preaching of his word. However, with that in mind, we must remember that while we're in that room worshiping together, there will be seekers. Uh, there will be lots of people in the room that, that don't know Jesus. And this is where a lot of churches just flat out, they just get it wrong. They become so seeker sensitive that they forget their primary purpose. The primary purpose of the gathering of the people of God to worship God together and to hear his word proclaimed. Like that's the ultimate reason we do church services. And that's what the New Testament points to. And a lot of churches get it so wrong. They become so seeker sensitive that the seeker becomes the most important person in the room. And, and I think that leads to some really bad decisions being made. Sometimes the bad decisions are minor, not a huge deal. Sometimes in some church circles, in certain contexts, the that, that those decisions could be very detrimental to the body of Christ. Um, I think what you understand about seeker sensitivity impacts the the music portion of the worship service, right? So some churches, some churches are so seeker sensitive they got to make sure they have the right lights and some of those ancillary production elements. And again, I'm not saying those are bad. I'm not against them. Like we, we have those at the churches I've been a part of for the last few years. Like I'm not saying that having good lights and some of the you know production elements are bad. It may not be my personal favorite flavor per se, but I'm also not saying it's inherently bad. I do, however, think that there are some churches that get so secret sensitive that they feel the need to cater to the non-believer, and that's why they put so much emphasis on things like lights and production and video and some of those things. I think that I think there are so many churches that become so seeker sensitive that they're seeking to make non-believers feel comfortable or entertained, and this is wrong. 
this this can have a huge impact on your musical elements of your church. Like some churches do a variety of things that flat out are just just silly and they waste money and they overemphasize things because again they've got the seeker in mind. They feel the need to make the seeker comfortable or entertain. They cater to that person and it, it's now to the detriment of the worship service. Some churches do things like, you know, elaborate dramas and skits and things like that on a Sunday morning. And again, I'm not saying it's bad or wrong. I'm not saying you're in, you're flawed if you do that. I've, I've been a part of those sorts of things in my life. And I'm not saying that if your church does that, you should leave your, that church. That's not what I'm saying. What I am simply saying is every church needs to be cautious and cognizant of the fact that there are seekers in the room without catering to the seeker, right? The question I ch- often challenge my friends in ministry is, this, are you ushering people into a deeper worship? Right? Are you guiding people into deeper intimacy with God or are you simply making them feel good so they'll come back? Right? Well, we want to be so relevant, it's so hip and so cool that they feel good about being there that makes them want to come back. And if you're a person attending a church and you're, and you're wondering whether or not you should stay in that church, then you need to ask yourself, which is my church doing? Are they, are they using these, these production elements or these other cool things? as a way to truly usher people into deeper worship and intimacy with God? Or are they just trying to make people feel good so that hopefully they'll come back? Like That's the question you need to ask. And that's hard. It's a hard question to answer. Which is my church doing? If my church is using these things in, in a way to really usher people into intimacy with Christ, then it's probably okay in a lot of contexts. But, but if you're doing it, just make people feel good so hopefully they'll come back. And I think there's a, a major problem there. The, the other area where the seeker-sensitive movement plays a huge role is in preaching. Listen, preaching is very, very important, right? Romans 1.16 tells us, you know, Paul says, I am I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. Like the gospel, the, the proclaiming of the gospel, the preaching of the gospel is the power of God. It's the thing that draws people into salvation. Like later in, in the book of Romans, Paul writes in Romans 10 about the importance of preaching and the process of people hearing the gospel and fully coming to faith in Christ. Preaching is very important and and it's one of the greatest tools, if not the greatest tool, that God uses to prepare people's heart to draw them into relationship with him. Hebrews chapter 4 talks about how the word of God is living and active. Like the word of God has power. So when we are preaching the word, it has power to change lives, transform lives. Uh, Psalm 119 talks extensively about the, the power of God in our lives and how important the word of God is and God's law, God's statute, uh, how God's word is a treasure and how it impacts our souls. So, so preaching is very important and it needs to be a high priority within the church. And you should not allow the seeker-sensitive desires or the seeker-sensitive movement to now water down preaching where the preaching is no longer bringing forth the gospel in an effective and clear manner. Like I'm all for being seeker-sensitive as long as it doesn't impede the, a, a clear gospel preaching every single time a church service is happening. At the, at the end of a service, after I'm done preaching, what I typically ask myself, or if, if I'm just listening to a sermon, I'm in a church service, and after I walk away, I ask myself similar questions about the preacher. Whenever I'm done preaching, I ask myself, have I been faithful to the text? You know, when I hear a sermon, was he faithful to the text in his preaching? You know, have I, have I presented the Word of God in a way that gives people quality insight into whatever that Bible passage was originally pointing people to, right? If I'm preaching on, let's say, Romans chapter 1, I want to preach on it in such a way that gives people understanding to what the point of Romans chapter 1 is. Like, what was Paul trying to communicate in Romans 1 when he wrote the letter of Romans 
to the Christians in Rome. Like, what was he trying to preach to them and teach them? I want my people to walk away from sermons I preach with the same insight that Paul was trying to give. That's my goal. So when I listen to a sermon, I say, okay, was he faithful to the text? Did he give me insights into what the original writer was trying to communicate? The second thing I often ask myself is, was the gospel proclaimed boldly and clearly? Like, was it bold? Was it was it clear? Like, those are the questions I want to ask myself, whether I'm preaching or it's someone else. And, and that's what I believe God wants from preachers. That's what I see in the New Testament. Like, I, I want everyone in the room to clearly understand what the gospel is. Now, so I want to be sensitive to where they're at. I want to be relevant. I want to be applicable, yes. But it's more important to honor God in my preaching than it is for me to be overly sensitive. And here's the reality. If there are people in the room that are not Christians, they should think what you're preaching is foolishness to some extent. Right? 1 Corinthians one eighteen says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Like, Listen, if an unsaved person listens to your message, they should think it's foolish. That's what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 1. If the unsaved mind hears your sermon or hears a sermon preached at your church and they don't think it's absolute foolishness, at some point they should be listening to the message and go, that's foolish, that's stupid that these Christians believe that. Right? If they don't think that at least once or if not more, multiple times in the course of your sermon, listen, that's bad preaching. Okay? Like it should be foolishness. If the message being preached makes perfect sense to the unbelieving mind, there's a major problem with that sermon. And if you go to a church like that, I would seriously consider, prayerfully consider finding a different place to worship or prayerfully consider confronting that pastor and asking him to alter the way he preaches. Listen, sometimes pastors are so secret sensitive that they end up seeming to preach messages that they they, they want to be universally accepted, right? So, so they avoid saying certain things that they probably ought to say, right? Sometimes they avoid sections of scripture out of fear that certain pockets of the audience will be offended, right? Sometimes the worship pastor or the, you know, the music director will eliminate, you know, doleful songs or mournful songs in the worship repertoire because because it doesn't seem as fun or as exciting, right? Uh, or sometimes it doesn't doesn't jive with their prosperity gospel preaching. I mean, there's a variety of things that people do because they're being too seeker sensitive. They've, they've taken it too far. You know, sometimes it seems to me like like church services or staffs and pastors, like their, their primary goal is repeat attendance. Like all they want to do is to make sure people enjoy the service so they come back. And so they're less, they're less, you know, worried about the preaching of the word and they're more focused on a good seamless Sunday morning service you know, with a really strong emphasis on good production so that the seekers will like it and they'll come back. And there seems to be not enough emphasis on genuine worship and faithful preaching. Like that's a problem. That's, that's where a church has gone too far in the seeker-sensitive movement. If you're a part of church like that, uh, maybe you need to confront the leadership and talk to them about it, or maybe you need to prayerfully consider finding a different place to worship. You know, Listen, I, I want to be cognizant of seekers and non-believers in the room, like I was when I first came to church. And I think all churches should be that, but I don't want to cater to them. And I most certainly don't want to be seeking to entertain them. That is not the goal. So should you leave your church? You know, I don't know. I honestly don't know that. I would encourage you to, to talk to your leadership. Don't attack them, don't gossip, but go seek to understand, seek to inquire, ask about their philosophies and what it is, and maybe you can give some input there. Um, and ultimately, if you feel like the leadership there is being faithful to what God is calling them to do, and you feel like the word of God is being preached effectively, maybe you don't agree with every little thing, but maybe it's okay to stay there. Like Maybe that is. But if they're not being faithful to the calling of a preacher, and they're not effectively you know, preaching the word appropriately, 
And maybe you need to prayerfully consider finding a new place to worship. You know, listen, talk to the leadership. Pray about it. Don't be flippant. Don't just leave and just say, you know, forget this. No. Take it very seriously, all right? Go to them. Can have gentle conversations where you're seeking to understand. Have dialogue. Don't attack. Don't gossip. Challenge whether or not their philosophies are right. Don't be afraid to challenge. Say, listen, I think that's too far in the seeker-sensitive movement. It's okay to have those conversations. Talk to the leadership. But if ultimately they don't change, listen, maybe you need to, maybe you need to consider going elsewhere. Like you can't control the church, right? You can't change them. You probably won't be able to change them in, in a lot of cases, right? But but it's worth having the conversation. And if you feel like your church is not being faithful to the preaching of the word, then maybe you need to prayerfully consider, ask God, give me wisdom. Maybe I need to leave and go find a, a different church where where the where the preaching of the word is is more is is more pure. I and that sounds kind of harsh, but I'm just being honest, that's how that's how I feel. Listen, you can't control the church, but you can control you. What I would encourage you to do on a personal level is to be seeker-sensitive in your life. Be sensitive to the fact that there may be people in your life all around you that are seeking to know more about truth. Engage with them. Engage in conversations. Engage in their life. Seek to understand them and seek to be sensitive to where they at so that you can boldly proclaim the gospel. Right? I've been talking a lot about churches on a macro level, but you could do this on a micro level. right? You could be faithful to the preaching of God's word in conversations. You can boldly and clearly proclaim the gospel clearly to them and you can be sensitive to what they do or don't understand. Like the same thing that I hope I do when I'm preaching, you can do it in your conversations. The the same thing I hope to do in a podcast, you can do in your one-on-one conversations. Seek to talk about God in such a way that the people who don't know God will understand it and you can help them to understand the gospel better. Maybe you could be a part of the process that God uses. You could be one of the instruments in the orchestra that God uses to bring that person to faith in Christ. Maybe you can seek to be more seeker sensitive in your life with the people around you. And as you choose to to be intentional in engaging in their lives and conversations with them, Maybe, just maybe the Lord will use you in a profound way. Oh man, what an honor it is to know that God is a type of God that uses us when we are sensitive to the seekers around us. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope this has been helpful and insightful and encouraging in some way or another. If you have a question about this episode or any episode at all, or if you have a topic or a question that you'd like me to address on the podcast, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to shoot me an email. The best address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Remember, you can catch me on Twitter. I love to connect with people there. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. It's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Hey, I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.